0: Well, if the uh, young people want to go off to Children's Church, Miss Ashley, she was in Florida. Give it up for Ashley and Jake, they're back from sunny south. It's going to be a good day. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to start in the story that many of us know. It's the story of Mary and Martha. And... uh, One was a busy bee, and the other was sitting around. (laughs) And uh, so we have... uh... Sorry, I want to make sure this is recording here okay, on my phone. All right, we're good, sorry. Um, The story of Mary and Martha wanted us to talk about today. I wanted us to open with that. Luke chapter 10. Is that me? Oh, sorry. (laughs) <laughs> we want to keep worship going. Luke 10.38 says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. How many have been there before? How many think they're working harder than everyone else? <laughs> it's uh, pretty funny how we get into these modes and we get frustrated with life because I'm doing all the work and I'm getting everything done and no one else is helping me. I want to tell you that I am the worst at that. I was here the other day getting the laptop for uh, Rod and uh, do you know how hard it is for a pastor to pray in his own church? No, really. It's, all, it's nearly impossible. And here's what happens when you, you know this when you have your own business or whatever, because every problem is your problem. That's how it works for a pastor. And in ministry, you look at things. And so, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us to close our eyes when we pray, but the reason I close my eyes is because I start looking at other things. <laughs> And uh, I, I get distracted. I, I walked in here and I get the laptop and I'm like, oh, this would be a great time for me to pray and just bless the Lord and thank Him, right? It's simple enough. Prayer is really simple, isn't it? How many have a tough time really entering in when you pray? Yeah. It's a tough job. And so we have the distractions and we have the things we're doing. And so I walk into the church and as I the first thing I noticed, and this is what I only noticed my dad knows me, I noticed the crime scene investigation unit downstairs are... Our, our stairwell down there always has leaves get in it. So that's the first thing you notice. I go, I gotta take care of the leaves. By the way, I didn't take care of the leaves, so the leaves I are have. still there. I'm sorry. So I come in here and I'm like, I'll get the laptop and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna start praying. Well, then I notice this is funny, my dad doesn't know this one, but I'm like, there's a we work, we get things done we try to get more done and we try to get more done and how many have been really frustrated when you've gone to bed at night because you didn't get everything done yeah. Right. Yeah. and you're frustrated and I want to tell you today that it is okay for us to relax in the house of God Amen. and take it easy in the sense that That when we come into the presence of God, we can relish his presence and we can soak in what we know and what we have in him. And that's the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. But I hope that this is a wonderful story for us to understand. By the way, we're not knocking Martha. Martha was doing what she was supposed to do. So it wasn't that Martha was being bad and working. See, we kind of flip it on Martha. We give her a hard time because she's making the dinner and making everything smell good in the house. And by the way, let me express this to you, that this has nothing to do with women responsibilities and men responsibilities. This story about these two women, you could insert two men in that, by the way. This story is about discipleship. This story is about our call to be disciples and what it means. We measure our success, I heard one writer say, based on how much we accomplish. How many miles did we run this morning? Don't you love those little things on your phone and everything? You get behind the eight ball and even your phone tells you, get up and you're not doing enough. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't relax. <laughs> how quickly did we shower? This lady writes, how much did we make the lunch and get the kids off to school? How many tasks did we cross off the list at work? How many phone calls did we return? How many bills did we pay? What we fail to see is that the more we accomplish the less available I am to my family, friends, and to God. I should concentrate more on what I am called to be and less on what I am called to do. Amen. So I want you to think about the distractions and the to-do lists and all of those kind of things. I had printed out, it was a funny thing, uh, famous to-do lists, all right? How many have a to-do list? How many are to-do list people are in here? To-do lists are, have been around forever. We think that to-do lists are kind of new. We think that, well, we have these fun, cool apps, and I have these reminders app. I have reminders and post-it notes in the office, and then I'll put a reminder on my phone. I even have my reminder set up for my Bluetooth, so when I get into my Bluetooth-connected car, that a reminder will pop up for me. It's really needed. It talks to you. But how do you know you still forget with all your reminders? So Johnny Cash... Anybody a Johnny Cash fan in here? The man in black. He was awesome. So he had a funny to-do list. This was his writing of Johnny Cash here. I got his official to-do list. I spent ten grand for this. No, I'm just kidding. So looking it up online. His to-do list in uh, June. He had. He always had his love letters to June, and he loved June. But he said number one, not to smoke. Number two, kiss June. Number three, not kiss anyone else. <laughs> Number four, cough. Number five, pee. Number six, eat. Number seven, not eat too much. Number eight, worry. Number nine, go see mama. That's a good one. Number ten, practice piano. And the last but not least, not write notes. It was That was Johnny Cash. He, who knows? But it was just funny with our to-do list that we get into kind of these things. And, and you know, there was some business articles, and I'm into business stuff, and Fast Company, all those things. And, do you know, the most successful people in the world really don't have to-do lists. You know, Richard Branson and those guys don't get up in the morning and go, what shall I do today? You're like, oh, i got to get this. They don't do that. Benjamin Franklin had to-do lists. Benjamin Franklin really was on task over 100 years ago where he, he wanted to have uh, just character qualities that he wanted to focus on. So Benjamin Franklin wanted to say, "Is my character. He had character to-do lists. Another thing that happened at Bethlehem Steel, Charles M. Schwab, some of you might know this story, his company was struggling with inefficiency and Schwab didn't know how to improve it. So he called Ivy Lee a well-known efficiency expert at the time. See, they've been around since the beginning of time. Lee agreed to help the company with his fee being whatever Schwab felt the results were worth after three months. Lee's advice to each member of the company's management team was to write a to-do list at the end of each day, which consisted of the six most important tasks to be done. The following day, they were told to organize the list based on the highest priority tasks. The next day, the employees worked through a list from top to bottom. Focusing on a single task at a time. At the end of the day, anything left on the list would get added to the top of tomorrow's list when the employees once again planned for the following day. As the story goes, the company was so much more efficient. After three months, that Schwab sent a check to leave for $25,000. That's a good, good thing. But that's to-do lists. That's success. You know, there's metrics. But that's not church. And what church has to be really careful with is that we don't base our metrics on how much came in this week, how many people came. Who's involved? What are we doing? Kind of the moving shaking of what we've made the Western church to be. I call it church in a box. And so the metrics for many ministries is just simply that. It's not discipleship. It's not are the believers, are people coming to Christ, are people falling more in love with Jesus. That's not what we're basing our metrics on. We in church are the worst at to-do lists. Church leadership is being burned out completely because we have so many things we're doing and so much going on that we just completely lose it. One commentator writes this, Martha's legitimate concern was to be a proper hostess. Mary's concern was to be a proper disciple. Folks, I want one thing for me as being a pastor and doing this for a while now, is I wonder how good of a disciple I am. Not a pastor. Not how good my message is. Not doing all the business of church, but as Steve laughed, strip it all away, Dad, Abba, am I a good disciple for you? As we learn what disciples do, we understand one thing when we get the posture again of Mary And that is to sit at the feet of Jesus. Now imagine if Jesus is coming to your house. You would probably have the same thing as Martha would have you. You would be getting everything ready for him. But imagine Jesus coming to your home. Would you drop all that you could do just to be with him and to fellowship and to be with him? Gregory uh, Nassau wrote this The final goal in life is to become friends with God. That's our final goal. Do you remember that the people came to Jesus and says, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this for you? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do all this? And he says, depart from me, for I never knew you. So for Turning Point Church, the body of Christ, we get into a place where we start doing things and we forget that this is about relationship, it's about friendship, it's about our understanding that I want to be closer to Jesus than I was to him yesterday. Isn't that a good idea? Yeah. When we look at our lives and we pattern, do we say, "Do you know, when I was praying through here, I started going through the rows. I started praying for families in here. I started praying for people and individuals. I, started, I love visualizing people and faces. I love visualizing those things going on and maybe what they're doing. And I, I picture those people as I close my eyes. And as difficult as that was for me in the middle of the day to do that, I did it anyways and I just kind of threw out the distractions And I kind of went back to the place. While my eyes were closed, I kind of went back in high school. And I was at Christian Life. And we would pray before school started. And at 7 o'clock, 7.30, all we would do is we would be in the sanctuary. Isn't it neat, a sanctuary where people can actually go and pray? We would just pray. Individuals would walk through and we would just pray. Every day. I wasn't Pastor Steve at the time. I didn't have a wife and four kids. I didn't have a business. I didn't have any of that. But you know one thing I had? Friendship with God. Amen. And I think when we strip it all down, and the Mary and Martha idea here is this, is that, yes, you're going to have tasks. You're going to have to get up tomorrow, and you're going to have to be racing. You're going to have to be doing things. You're at that, do your to-do list. Yeah. But really, as we kind of focus on our relationship with Christ, that that's the most important thing we can ever have. And what's happened in the church is we kind of simmered it down to this. It's really a charge against all of us church leaders. Sky Jathani writes, and many Christian circles, with the young people I have counseled, a relationship with God means little more than reading the Bible for 15 minutes a day, asking Him for help with His struggles, attending church with some regularity. There you have it, no greater vision. So we read the Bible for 15 minutes, we pray and have God help us and bless our homes, and we attend church kind of regularly. And that's it. And that's religion. And that's what religion does. And to the young people today, and even to the old, those of you who kind of got in your rhythm and your routines, and you have gelled so much in it that you've literally got stuck in it, I want to remind you and hopefully wake you up today that this is about discipleship. This is about you becoming more and more in love with Jesus. It is not about your 15 minutes of Bible. It's not about your 10 minutes of prayer and going to church with some regularity. It is you getting white on hot in love with Jesus Christ. Isaiah 55.3 I think the charge I'd have against all of our churches is churches end up ruining ministry leaders. Because they're so driven with everything going on. There is no time for relationship with Christ. I challenge all of us to this invitation that the Lord has for us. He has an invitation for you. We do an invitation at the close of service. Don't wait till the close of service for this. Maybe this is your promise this week. Isaiah 55 says, "Is anyone thirsty come and drink? Even if you have no money, come and take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Turn to someone who can say, it's all, it's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does, uh, does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen to me and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. What God is saying right there is he's... Just bidding us, come, talk to me, listen to me. Open wide your ears to me. If you can picture Mary. Mary is just sitting there. Martha's really busy. And Martha is forgetting in that moment that she is forgetting that the Savior of the world is right in her midst. And she is busy in the entertainment mode. You know, we can get that way even when I preach or when we get stuff going. And if you're just pause long enough in moments, you might just sense God. In all the busyness of the day, if you just pause for a moment, you might just sense God. Amen. That's right. Because you're inclining your ear to it. There's a Jewish saying that says this, Let your house be a meeting house for the sages, and sit amidst the dust of their feet, and drink in their words with thirst. I wonder sometimes when we're reading God's Word and we've done our cute little to do list of getting into the Bible, if we actually pause for a minute and say, God, what are you speaking to me? What are you saying to me? And it will have to become a habit for you because this will not come automatically. It won't come because of anything else but because you've made a determination. To sit at the feet of Jesus. And the posture of us is to sit in the dust of the Savior and allow His words to create thirst in us. I, I thirst for you as a deer. Pants for the water, brook, oh my soul, thirst for you. Jesus said to Martha, Martha, you worry too much. How many have worried just a little bit in your life? Here's the word, how it breaks down. It's important to know the Greek To divide into parts. Worry means to divide into parts. The word suggests a distraction, a preoccupation with things causing anxiety and stress and pressure. If you're there, give me an amen. 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 Jesus speaks against worry and anxiety because of watchful care of a heavenly father who is ever mindful of our daily needs. Folks, I want to tell you that I'm the worst at worrying, I'm the worst at, and you know what, I thought I had it okay, because you know, type A people have this way of masking problems. Type A people are in control people, and the sooner you get to know yourself, the sooner you understand really how weak you are as a person. Now, type A people can keep it all together, but inside they start to unravel, and I guess that's everyone, isn't it? We kind of understand and we think we can play the game and we can show it, but really when we start to sit down and break before the Lord, there is a moment where we we have got to allow that stuff to come out and we have got to get ministry from God because we're not okay. We're distracted. We're divided into parts. Today in our culture, because we're so beyond all that, we multitask. We are the king and queens of multitasking. Folks, I want to tell you today that multitasking does not work. I want to give you a little idea. If you want to multitask, we can thank you're the best. Some of us think we're the best. How many of you, you know, no shame. How many of you think you're the best multitasker here in Rockford? I Go ahead and raise your hand. Anybody in here? Okay. okay. Joe's like this. <laughs> so we're all good at it. And so we think we've graduated. We think we can multitask. We have... Computer screens up. If you look at some of these tech companies and things, you'll see cell phones sitting up here and phones there and this. And they're doing that. But here's what ends up happening with multitasking. You're not multitasking. What you're doing is you're shutting your brain off really fast. It's like within a tenth of a second. And you're moving on to the next task. And then you go back and forth. Here's what starts to happen is it actually starts to catch up with you. And the prime example is this. I want you to get on the phone once. Start talking to your mom, your dad, your uncle, and actually try to write an email while you talk to them. They can't do it. You literally cannot do it. It'll be that kind of conversation where I so often do, where I'm like, what? My aunt was talking to me this morning, and I'm like, what did you say? And she's like, all of it? And I go, yes, please start from the beginning. Literally, it was this morning. I, was, I, wanted to, I wanted to add one more thing for today, and I'm sitting there, and I hear something. I hear her, but I don't hear her. And she goes, you want me all of it? And I go, yes, please start from the beginning, honey. We're terrible multitaskers. Now, we might look the part, and you might actually think you're creating some success. But I will tell you what's happening is you're being stripped into parts. And we Christians need to understand that when we start to tear away from that connection we have with God because we want to get into that work mode and that, that, I'm going to do this, man, just get to the point where you say, God, I just want to receive from you today and I just want to say, I love you. Amen. Don't pray for China. Don't pray for nothing. You know what you need to do yet? Start out your day and say, Lord, I How do you talk to your spouse? Well, don't I don't want to ask that. How should you talk to your spouse? See, the brain works this way. The cerebral cortex handles the brain's executive controls. These controls dividing into two stages organize the brain's task processing. The first goal is shifting. This happens when you switch your focus from one task to another. The second stage rule is activation. This turns off the rules on how the brain completes a given task for the previous task and turns on the rules for the next. So when you think you're multitasking, you're actually switching your goals and turning the respective rules on and off in rapid succession. By the way, I didn't write this, so just so you know. The switches are fast, tenths of a second, so you may not notice them, but those delays and the loss of focus can simply add up. Our Western culture is divided into parts, folks. And we are highly distracted. Have you ever tried having a conversation with anyone more than 10 minutes without an interruption? I think the most distance most people have on average between them and their phone is literally less than two feet. We're always on it. And Jesus had a different track. You say, well, they aren't as busy as we were. Yes, they were. They were busy. They were dealing with the same heart and core issues. They were dealing with the running around, getting stuff done. Jesus said to abide in him. You know, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him. You know, you're part of that grafted. You're grafted into the vine. And he uses the terminology abide. Abide means there to stay and to wait And folks, I can tell you today that even in all of your busyness and all of your stuff going on, that there are moments in your life where you can just stay and wait for a minute and say, God, what are you speaking to me? Pausing for a moment, they call it contemplative prayer. You see Mary's posture? She was at the feet of Jesus. And this is always what must define us as believers, not how great I can preach, not how good you are at something, but learning to stay in the presence of God. We don't have to turn there, but Romans eight fifteen declares this we call Jesus Abba Father. Goes all the way back to Abraham. Now we kind of go in how the distractions are taking over our culture and the Western society we live. Mark Sayers wrote this in Living in Non Spaces. What defines us is what we love. See, some of us love our busyness. We actually get a charge out of our busyness. They're almost proud of their business. Oh, man, I am so busy. Do you know you almost feel nervous because if you talk to someone who's really not that busy and they're like, well, what are you doing? And they they really don't have all the big things to talk about. It's like, well, it's just been a great week. And you kind of get nervous because you feel like you have to tell someone what you're busy about doing. What defines us is what we love. The key point here is that is what we do Rather than what we believe, that ultimately shapes us. Folks, I don't care what your doctrine is in this moment. You can have all the doctrinal stuff in order. But what you do is different than what you believe now. Because now it's starting to act. The point here is that what we do rather than what we believe is ultimately what shapes us. Few parents wish not to be present with their children. Yet just observe the contemporary parents with their children at the park lost in their phones while their children attempt to get their attention. It is as Aristotle once remarked, we are what we repeatedly do. We are what we repeatedly do. It doesn't matter what you say you believe. I can say all day long, I love Jesus. But if my life is not patterned after Him, if I'm not submitting unto Him, then I don't love Jesus. I can say I love Jesus, but my lifestyle and the actions that I'm doing are not showing forth that I'm really in love with Jesus. I can say that I love my wife, but if I am not giving myself to her and serving my wife and dying for her as Jesus died for the church, then I don't love my wife. Let me say that again. Aristotle once remarked, we are what we repeatedly do. What habits do you find yourself repeatedly doing? And these are easy things. I can just, you can go after them really easy. But but it's something that we need to talk about. in our culture and the chaos that we live in. The environments that we create. Are we repeatedly doing things on our phone? Are we just always on our phone? Can I tell you today that you will be okay if you don't check your phone for an hour? No, seriously. Some of us, we need permission to just rest. Can I tell you that it's okay in the morning that the first thing you do, you don't have to go and grab for your phone to see which town got blown up? Can I get an amen? amen? Can I say it's okay that you don't know what every politician on planet Earth is doing and that you don't have to be informed on every issue in life in order for you to advance? We are what we repeatedly do over and over. So the habit of the presence of God for us needs to change, and we need to address those to-do lists. And I say with like the Johnny Cash to-do list, maybe you come up with your to-do list this week, and you know, you get tired of stuff. Isn't it in January we come up with our new to-do list? I'm going to lose 50 pounds, and I'm going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm going to be the greatest person in the world. And we're into March now, and it just doesn't look like that, does it? So we do the same thing with God. I'm going to fast for four years. I'm never going to watch television. And I'm going to go serve in a monastery. And it's going to be the greatest thing ever. And then somebody cuts in front of us and we realize how fleshly we really are. And we go, forget the Christian stuff. This is the stupidest thing ever in the world. I want you to wake up with the idea. Because I want people to relax in here. And not to relax as just to be aloof about your relationship with God. But to enjoy Him. Once again, we actually enjoy Abba Father. I am telling you, children enjoy their parents. They love hanging out with parents. They love talking and joking. Last night we were sitting around and the girls were telling us stupid, funny jokes, Tell and the and we were laughing our heads up as we just talked about stupid jokes and just laughed. There was all it was was just us hanging out. We are what we repeatedly do. What habits do you find yourself repeatedly doing? I challenge you this week to humbly submit to his presence before your day gets crazy. If you're going to wait until your day is already in there and the drink and you already are swallowing up this stuff, then you're going to fail. You're going to have to start that morning out with a lot more intention than just, well, we'll see how the day goes. You're going to have to start your morning out with the idea of, I am jumping in with both feet and both hands with Jesus. I am not going on without my day, without the presence of God where I am going. I need your help, Jesus. Bless you. It's kind of these kind of prayers that David prayed. He said, better is one day in your courts than 10,000 elsewhere. You think about the presence of God and at that moment what Mary thought of Jesus and how she wanted to be there right by his side. She didn't want to worry about chicken cooking in the oven. She didn't want to worry about moving the napkin over here and over there. She in that particular moment said, no, this is great. This is a great place to be. I'm dropping what I'm doing just to be with you. Isn't it a neat thing when people drop what they're doing just to pay attention to you for a few minutes? No, you seriously think about the attention. You decide to put the things down. You decide you're going to put the phone down. You're going to put the shovel down. You're going to put the broom down, whatever it is. And you're just going to talk to that person for a minute. I can't tell you how relieving it is sometimes when my mind gets to a place where I don't feel like I have to be at church straightening something out. Because let me tell you something. The things I'm noticing most people won't even ever notice. Do you know that? The things that you notice most people don't even notice. I'm asking you to rethink your priorities. I want you to picture yourself in the story. In this moment in time, picture yourself right now as Mary sitting at the master's feet listening to what he has to say. See his eyes. See his movements. Maybe he doesn't say anything. You're just getting to know him in his abiding presence. There's times you're just kind of out and you're really not saying anything, but you're just enjoying that person's presence. I got to tell you, it was awesome. Sometimes I do peek up, and I'm sorry during worship. But Jay and Indiana last week it blessed me right when I got in the car. I'm like, you don't realize how much you blessed me. Her huh? and Jay were there during worship, and they both had their hands in the air, holding hands together. They were just in the presence of God. It was a very special moment because they didn't care about anybody or anything in here. They were worshiping God together as husband and wife. Amen. Right. Rethink your priorities. Rethink your your hands-in-your-pockets approach to life. Rethink the idea that, Lord, are my kind of prayers like the kind of prayers that the great saints had where better is one day with you than 10,000 doing those cool success things and going to these cool conferences and doing this and running with that person and Mr. Jones, this cool guy who knows this guy and this guy and all the networking and we say, I just want one day with Jesus. Aren't you just tired of it all? Aren't you just tired of all the to-do lists, the busies, the crazies? We're crazy about ourselves. We're so stuck on ourselves and our what we got to get done. Find the pause again. Remember in the VCR days. Pause was the greatest thing, and you just pause right there, just hit that pause button. Now we have DVRs, but I remember my parents had, we used to, before we had a VCR, they were so expensive, my parents, I think, would rent it at the locally store in the rental place, and we're like, we're going to go get a movie, and we'd get those big, remember the big VCRs were about this big, and they come in a bag, and one Friday night, we got to rent a video, and we got the VHS, and man, you could pause it, you could rewind it, it was the best thing, and remember the please be kind and rewind? You'd get charged if you didn't rewind the dumb VHS tape. Pause. Just pause. We don't have time to pause. Anne has a beautiful post-it note in front of the desk there from a beautiful song lyric, and it said, Lord, realign my heart. Help me keep first things first. And that's when she's teaching the kids... Help me keep first things first. What good is it if we gain the whole world but lose our soul? You kind of really understand what success now really is about. It's not about the straight A's. It's not about being the best at this and the best at that. It's simply about understanding who God is. In fact, I want to go on that for a moment too with our young people who deal with so many issues in our culture today, McLean's Magazine reports on a growing crisis in colleges, of students feeling exhausted and depressed and anxious and overwhelmed, noting that young adults are having difficulty coping with the rapidly changing world around them, a world where they can't unplug, they can't relax and believe they must stay at the top of their class no matter what. The article noted that what is remarkable about the trend affecting those who are at the top of the social scale, Ivy League schools are struggling with an epidemic of mental health challenges, Prestigious Cornell College in Ithaca, New York, renowned for its beautiful grounds and picturesque bridges where students walk to class, now enclose those bridges and steel nets to arrest the spate of suicides. He goes on to write The young Cho Han writes, In our contemporary society, a society of achievement without guidance, the self becomes anxious, agitated, and fearful. Caught in a constant mood from which it cannot escape, the individual becomes its own judge. The cycle culminates in burnout, follows from overexcited, overdriven, excessive self-reference that has assumed destructive traits. The exhausted, depressive achievement subject grinds itself down, so to speak, it is tired. Exhausted by itself and at war with itself. Entirely incapable of stepping outward, of standing outside itself, Relying on the other, on the world, locks its jaws on itself. Paradoxically, this leads to self to a hollow and empty out. It wears out in a rat race, run against itself. There's no rest for the weary in the achievement society. The pace of life simply doesn't allow for recovery time. But taught to fear and flee from pain, suffering in the negative, they become paralyzed, trapped between what they desire and their own limitations. See, we have taught our children that they can do whatever they want, whatever they want. And it's a really good ultra-positive message. You can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. The sky's the limit. And so what they lack in our society is the boundaries and the context for what the heck that even means. And we in the church double down on that. We say, well, with God, all things are positive. You can do whatever you want to do. But we have served a God of Boundaries. We serve a God who puts us where He wants us. And we serve a God who calls us. So that means today, God might put you in a menial task, and the rest of the world not realize about it. But when you're called to it, and when you are safe within the boundaries of God's call for your life, you are in a safe place, and you won't fear or have anxiety or worry or depression. You'll be filled with the glory of God because you will rest in that knowledge. You can do whatever you want to be as long as God calls you to be that. Young person today, realize that you can be whatever you want to be. Don't ever think that I didn't say that. What I am saying today is once you serve God and once you obey Him, you will understand that He is taking you places. He is taking you through things. He is causing you to become something that you didn't think you could be, but it's definitely outside of yourself and you can't do it yourself. There's no rest in our achievement society. We melt from within and we have to melt out. We're stuck between what we desire and what our own limitations. How many of you know the older you get, you realize how exactly limited you are? And I'm serious about that. The older and the wiser you become, you realize how exactly limited you are. And I don't want to belabor the story or use this story over and over again, but it's so applicable for me with my anxiety and the things that I worry about. I'll never forget, just over a year ago, year and a half ago, we went through this whole work thing with transition and losing people and people getting injured and just stuff going on, just the grinding of it all. And it got to the point, because Steve's always got answers for everything. I got an answer for everything. Some are good answers. We got to the point where there was no answers. And that's exactly where God wants you and I. He doesn't need our answers. He wants our ear. He doesn't want our thoughts. He doesn't want our opinions. He wants your heart. But he wants us to rest. I love what the Bible teaches, and I think the church is horrible at this, teaching this concept, and that is this. Jesus says, My yoke is easy. My burden is light. We dump Things on people, expectations, kind of like what the Pharisees did. They heaped so many expectations on people that the Pharisees couldn't even live up to themselves. We get to the point where in church where if you're not almost perfect, then you're not good enough. I want to tell you today, young to old, you are good enough. You're good enough. You're good enough. Good enough because God made you good enough. Don't ever let the devil lie to you and say you're not good enough. You're great. And the performance-driven society teaches us just a little bit more. If I could do this, if I could tweet that. Man, so often at church, and don't pat me in the back, and please don't do this, so often in church I wrestle in my own mind of what could have been done better and what could do with this. And God said, am I enough? You're torn apart. Is sitting at the face of Jesus enough? Dealing with limitations. Turn to someone who can say, I'm really limited. Martha was a do-it-all person, and I'm sure she did it very well, and she hosted very well. But Jesus declares today that my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Oswald Chambers said, is this not what a man does that is of final importance, but what he is and what he does? The atmosphere produced by a man much the, more than his activities has the lasting influence. Have you noticed people kind of when they're just in their moment with God and they're doing things, you know, they have an atmosphere around them. You know, you carry an atmosphere with you. Yeah. You know, and it's not your personality. Everybody's got their different personality and way about things. But how many of you know you walk around people who have a peace that the world cannot give and their atmosphere is completely different? They just walk differently. They are different. Their perception about things is different. They, and it's not just so positiveness. I are y'all. But it is an atmosphere. And if we truly are the temple of the Holy Spirit, when we walk into places, realize that we can have an atmosphere that's really good, or we can have an atmosphere that's really, really bad. Jesus said to one of his disciples, you don't even know what spirit you're of. So there are times where our spirits are wrong and we're out of alignment. And we get into that mode. And again, Martha, you're doing some good things, but this is the great thing. She is worshiping me. She wants to be with me. This is a moment for now, right now. Cling to Jesus once again. Juliana of Norwich wrote in Revelations of Divine Love. Our lover, she writes, she's referencing Jesus. Jesus is your lover, you know that. Where his bride desires that our soul should cling to him with all of its might and that we should ever hold fast to his goodness. We today are so easily gravitate to a passionless religion, need to hear her words of passion and zeal. In his love he wraps and holds us. He enfolds us for love. He will never let us go. So our lover will never let us go. Today, if you can know one thing, Jesus said that He will never leave you and that He will never forsake you and that He loves you with an everlasting love. The very hairs of your head are numbered. Yeah. All the freckles on your face. Amen. All of it. Jesus loves you. Do we cling to Jesus once again? Psalm 63.1 says, My soul thirsts for you. I think we have a society now in our Western culture that isn't thirsting for Jesus much. We have a really big thirst for religion, but we don't have a big thirst for Jesus. There is buzz everywhere about spiritual ideas. People are open to spiritual ideas. The place we live now in society has created a vacuum. People do want ideas and spiritual ideas. They just don't know Jesus. My soul thirsts for you. Folks, don't ever forget this, and I said this before. George of Nasiria wrote, the final goal is to become friends with God. Sandra, if you want to come up here. Today, the message, as you close your eyes for a moment, is for my people, like myself, who might be full of anxiety and worry and might be pulled apart in a number of places, And you're eating yourself within. Your mind is clouded. You're worried. This isn't about sin, this is about seeing Jesus. maybe for a moment you sit here and you wide open your ears you open wide your ears incline your ears to hear from your lover Jesus Christ and there's a love reserved for us and the love that he puts in us is not something that we conjure up and we say okay I'm really loving God this week I'm going to put that on a to-do list all I want you to say this week is you are simply going to allow for the pause and in the moments of your life and in the busyness of things and raising kids and going to school and doing work and all that we do. Is there space, is there boundaries in place that allow for our relationship with God to thrive? Maybe you put the pin down for a moment and you go walk to the restroom and get a drink of water. And you lift your eyes to heaven from where your health comes from and you recognize in that moment... That the Savior never left you when you went into that boardroom. And you remember that the Savior never left you when you went into the office, and the Savior never left you when you were home alone. The Savior never left you. And as we breathe deep, God, today may this church not be busy doing things for God, but we would be with God. And that the atmosphere that is created in this place is a holy atmosphere that when we walk into situations and when we're with people and when we're praying with people and praying through things and we're contemplating and we just stand and cry together, that we rest in the knowledge that we're in the presence of God. And that it may not be an answer that you were looking for. It may not have come through the to-do list that you had written down. But Jesus showed up. And better is one day in your presence O oh God than 10,000 elsewhere. Today may we cleave to God and may the passion and the zeal for Him come forward and that we would be covered in the dust of his sandals once again. I don't want to know more about God. I want to know Jesus. I don't want to study Jesus and about him. I want to know Jesus. We know everything about this. We, we study and we critique and we pull apart and we dissect. And doing all that many times, we miss the simplicity of the relationship that we have with the risen Savior. Today I want a simple prayer today so that we can find rest. And you say, Today, I have many distractions. We all have distractions, but you know what I'm talking about. You're you're specifically dealing with these anxieties and depression, whatever it is, and God is speaking to you and saying, That's me and I want to switch more to the attitude of the Mary. I got work to do, but I want to pause for a minute and relax. Today, if that's you, why don't you raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's all pray this together. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus. I thank you for being here today. I thank you for being here today. That you never leave me. That you never forsake me. And that you never forsake me. I open my ear right now to what it is you might be saying. I adjust myself to be with you, to drop what I'm doing. Lord, give me the strength to know when to pause, when to walk away, when to say no to things. God, thank you, God. That, you're my friend, that you're my friend that you're not a set of principles you're my friend you died for me you lived for me and now I live because you live thank you for taking the heaviness and the distractions and distractions I meditate, on you. I meditate on you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Isn't it great to rest yeah. in the Lord? To rest. With all the hustle and the bustle and everything, just think about those moments because maybe God's presence comes. We think, well, Jesus is going to come in here and sit. Maybe... Maybe Jesus comes in the form of one of your friends and he speaks through your friend and you sit with your friend and get the dust of your friend on you and maybe you go to work and there's just no one there and you feel lonely in that moment. Maybe it's the reason you're alone is because God says, I just want to be you and me right now. Yeah. God comes in so many different ways. And I can, I can tell you how many times sermons have come to me because of billboards and thoughts and everything else. God, God speaks, man. God, God loves using donkeys. He does all sorts of things. Right. But God longs, to be your friend. Just remember that God's your friend this week. I love you so much. Have a good good week. Let me pray a blessing over this week and then we'll go. Lord, I thank you for the family of God today that we can rest And knowing you. Lord, we pray that you'd prepare our hearts, Lord, that as we leave this place, the safe place, God, that you're sending us out into a dark world. But God, we're the light, we're the city on the hill because of you. God, even when we go through those hard struggles and we face those things and maybe people and circumstances, that God, you give us the mind of Christ and the words to speak and how to deal with problems and how to deal with issues because we're in friendship with you. We have Koinonia a fellowship. God, we bless you and we thank you. God, I will say this and declare this over each person here. We declare now that no weapon formed against anyone in this church will ever prosper. And Lord, I just thank you for the armor of God, Lord Jesus, that the blood of Jesus Christ that covers each home and each situation and each conflict. And God, that we do have victory through you, that we are not defeated, but that we arise victorious, even with all the problems and the struggles. God, I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm done. I promise. Love you guys. Have a good week.